You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Central Alabama. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier, where once again, for the 14th year in Tuscaloosa, Peter Brook Chocolatier continues to put the sweet in sweetheart doing it again with valentine's day upon us coming up this sunday they are rocking and rolling over there under the watchful eye of the chocolate lady getting all of your valentine's day treats ready for you you can call them too at 205-752-0211 they can get you taken care of maybe you've got that student that's at the University of Alabama, and you live out of town. We understand a lot of folks access the programming here on Tide 100.9 via stream. Well, if you have that student at UA that you would like to send that special Valentine's Day gift to, you can do that with Peter Brook Chocolatier. Delivery is available, 205-752-0211. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together... We combine to form the 60 bit of sports talk radio. Jacob Harrison, how are you doing on this hump day morning? I'm doing great. I didn't have to bring a jacket to work just to take it off in this hot studio. It's great, man. It's a beautiful day outside. I do need to I need to run over to Peter Brook, though, man. I got to figure out what I'm doing for Valentine's Day. <laughs> Jacob, just go in there. Check with the chocolate lady. She won't steer you wrong. I promise you. She will make you a rock star. Absolutely. It's a great thing about Peterbrook Chocolatier. And obviously, I'm biased. But the customer service, you know, you go in there, you're not exactly sure whether it's the chocolate lady, whether it's one of her tremendous staff members there. They can walk you through the process, get you taken care of uh, again, and make you an absolute hero with Valentine's Day coming up on Sunday. Speaking of heroes, the Alabama men's basketball team with a gritty performance, a gritty win on the road last night in Columbia, South Carolina. The Crimson Tide overcomes a season-high 22 turnovers in a 81-78 win over the homestanding South Carolina Gamecocks. What did we talk about yesterday on the program? We talked about Despite the fact that Mississippi State went into COLA over the weekend, last weekend, and walked out with a 16-point win, State still turned the ball over 21 times in a win over Frank Martin's team. So turnover's a high number, not totally unexpected when you take on South Carolina. As much as anything, if you're a team that really gets downhill off the bounce, like we know Alabama likes to do, starting with in transition and then even in the half court, Frank Martin's teams historically have no problem stepping in front. No problem with it. They're not going to give you a lane to the bucket. And we saw more than a couple of charge takes from the South Carolina Gamecocks last night, but credit Alabama for a team that got stuck on 78 there for a while late in the game. Alabama was sitting on 78 there 
Didn't have a field goal in the last four-plus minutes, but some key free throws down the stretch. I continue to love the JUCO presence on this team. I know a lot of Alabama fans get frustrated with James Rojas and maybe sometimes Keon Ellis, but we are JUCO friendly here on the program. We have a history of being proponents of the junior college route. I guess you could say this show is a hashtag JUCO product, JUCO built. We're big Shelton State fans, big Madonna Thompson fans, Joe Eaton fans down there off 69. So good to see Keon Ellis uh, and Rojas making some plays, making some free throws down the stretch. Great coaching by Nate Oates there in the final seconds, taking away the three-point line with a three-point lead. South Carolina inexplicably settles for the layup there to cut the lead to one with two seconds left. And uh, pretty much ball game after Rojas hits the two free throws and Keon Ellis with the steal there in the final second or two. Alabama now 11-1 and one in the league. Got Georgia coming in here on Saturday, as we talked about yesterday on the program. Big one from the Alabama perspective in Oxford, Mississippi tonight as Missouri goes on the road to take on an Ole Miss team that is 4-2 in its last six in Southeastern Conference play, including a couple wins in a row for the Rebels. So all crimson eyes to the west this evening as Ole Miss hosts Missouri. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you would like to jump on board with us, you are more than welcome to do so. We will check in with Cecil Hurt, sports editor and columnist, of course, for the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. We'll be getting Cecil's thoughts from last night's game in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, we'll also get into some topics related to this college basketball season and how it has only increased the hold, the strength of the hold that Nick Saban has as the best coach in all of college athletics. Okay, so maybe we'll narrow it down to the two sports that are clearly most visible among college sports fans. When we talk about college football and men's basketball, you know, when you look at right now, some of the legends in recent history of college basketball, and most notably Coach K at Duke, and even when you start talking about guys like Tom Izzo, John Calipari at Kentucky, uh, Jeff Goodman of Stadium.com had a tweet last night that sort of outlined the struggles of K, Cal, and Izzo. Each of those three teams right now, Duke, Michigan State, and Kentucky, as of last night, were in 10th place in their respective leagues. Meanwhile, Nick Saban, in the same pandemic conditions, he himself being infected by COVID-19 at one point during the 2020 season, all Nick Saban does is go 13-0 and win his seventh overall national title as a college football coach. I mean, when we talk about sort of the post-Bryant and Wooden era, is it even close right now in all of college football? If you combine college football and college basketball right now, is it even close? I think the last three or four months, it's only just separated Nick Saban even more from the likes of Coach K. Coach K's had legitimate concerns about the virus. I get it. Uh, but his team's still playing. They're not playing well. Lost again yesterday to Notre Dame at home. Again, 10th place in the ACC for Coach K. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that right now? I mean, you'd have to go back to really 2007 to consider even that kind of a scenario for Alabama football under Nick Saban. The last 13 seasons, it's been national championship hunt each and every year. 2010 bowed out a little early with that loss in early November to LSU. That was a two-loss team in 2010. But other than that, it's Thanksgiving weekend with everything on the line since 2008 for Alabama football under Nick Saban. 205-342-9904. Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier 
Studio line right now where I believe we have Corey waiting on us on this Wednesday morning. Corey, how you doing, my man? Hey, Travis. Hey, Travis. How you doing this morning? I am doing great. I know you're excited. You got your Alabama softball cranking up Friday morning out in Austin, Texas. Now, are you going to have access to that Longhorn Network? I'm not sure I have access to that, Corey. I think I will be able to. Um, I'm very excited to see what this team will be able to do. Um, I know this team will be looking to rectify what happened the way they started off last year. Um, I think it, we would we would not be um, I think we would be all be disappointed if we didn't come out to a strong start. Now, I will say this. I don't think we need to panic if we don't come out 5-0. But I do think if we come out with a winning record in some way, especially if we beat Colorado State twice and come out in, a, in some way of a winning record of 3-2, and two, I think Alabama fans would be very pleased because Arizona is a very good team. Texas is hosting the tournament. And I think this is a very good test for Alabama to uh, start out. I know Murphy did this on purpose, so he wants to see what his team is like. And this is a women's college World Series caliber team for Alabama. So I'm looking. there's three things I'm looking for. How does Alabama start off? What does the lineup look like consistently, and how does the pitching look like? Or I'll throw in a fourth thing. How does Claire Jenkins in the infield and in the, in the outfield with Alyssa Brown, like the injuries, how do the players come back from injury? Mm-hmm. Right up the middle. Those are things I'm looking forward to. Um, I think we all know that the injuries hurt Alabama, but last year, but I think this is a healthier team, and I think this team is locked and loaded for a World Series run, and it all starts in Austin, Texas. Yeah, it should be a team, even though it was an incomplete season, you know, we, we didn't have a, a champion decided on the field in college softball, it should be a team with a little bit of a chip on its shoulder because through the the season that we did have uh, in 2020, this that team didn't really live up to the preseason expectations. And you said it, there were some injuries, certainly, that were key to that. But this is a team, compared to this point a year ago, at this same point a year ago, kind of flying under the radar, even in its own league, maybe, in some ways. And I agree. I think if you go out to Austin this weekend, you've got the five games, as you said, two of those against Colorado State, two against a top 10 team in Texas, two against a top, I mean, one against a top three team in Arizona. You go four and one out there, even three and two, you feel pretty good about it. Um, You you, got to take at least one from the three against Texas and Arizona to feel like you, you had a pretty good trip. And then, you know, you come back home the next weekend. It's an interesting Easton Bama bash because, you have a non-conference game against a conference team in LSU here in Tuscaloosa one week from Sunday. So that's a top 10 team in its own right. And again, uh, a nice early test for Murph and his team. Anything else for us, Corey? What are your thoughts on, like, do you think this team is going to show out this season? I mean, this roster, again, you hate to lose Skylar Wallace to a, a conference opponent in Florida. I mean, she is a she is a world class type player. All right, so I'm not going to discount that departure from a talent standpoint. I don't know what the situation was like, maybe within the clubhouse or within the team dynamic. So I can't speak to that. I'm just talking about in terms of raw talent, and I'm a big team dynamic person, big on that. So I, I don't know how that was impacted with Skyler. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you just look at this roster, KB sides, Alexis Mack, Kaylee Tao, Bailey Hemphill, um, it just goes on and on. Claire Jenkins coming back from the injury, Lexi Kilfoyle going into her second season, the pitching depth, everything's in place for this to be another team that goes to Oklahoma city. Hey, Corey, we appreciate the call. You know, uh, you know, Montana Fouch, you could say something was wrong with her and, 
she, she's worked hard to not, not let that happen again. And, you know, you wanted to improve from her freshman year, but you want to see her take the next step and get even better. I'm sure she's done that. And, you know, it'd be nice if we could have that. I'm sure we will have the Montana Fast Lexus Kill for one-two punch and, uh, and behind them have Sarah Cornell, Crystal Goodman, and then add the two freshmen back there. But this should be a very lethal pitching staff and a very lethal lineup. It's just can you navigate that first weekend and get some good confidence going? And then as you make your way through the SEC, make your way through that schedule and then get a really a top eight seed and then make your mm-hmm. run through Oklahoma City. Yep, you got it. All right, Corey. Thanks for the call. We'll talk to you again soon. Good talk to you, Travis. Roll There he goes, Corey. He's fired up. We're all fired up because we've got Alabama softball cranking up this weekend, and then we have Alabama baseball here in Tuscaloosa the very next weekend. You'll have baseball and softball here in Tuscaloosa uh, the weekend after this. You know what you also have? Continued discussion of Alabama Potential first-rounders for this 2021 NFL draft. I know Jacob Harrison, he uh, he goes over these mocks with a fine-tooth comb. I know he does. I'm sure he has already poured over this Todd McShay latest mock first-rounder. Alabama, it looks like, Jacob, with, by my count, six first-rounders, four of those on the offensive side of the ball. If you did check out that McShay mock, did anything surprise you with it? Maybe were you surprised to see Todd forecast the Bears making a trade to get up to that 12th spot in place of the 49ers and take Mac Jones at the quarterback position because our very own Joe Gaither right here on this Southern Fried Sports Air a couple weeks ago vetoed the potential of Mac Jones in Chicago, citing Mac's perhaps inability to drive the football well enough from an arm talent perspective when December and January roll around up there in the North Midwest. I I thought some of the, the more odd things that Todd did in this mock was four straight quarterbacks to start, Mm-hmm. then have the offense tackle Penny Sowell, and then three straight wide receivers, and in the mixture of that, three straight Alabama players to, to kind of round out his top ten. That was really, really weird, but I do agree. I did not think that Mac Jones heading to the Bears would be a good situation for Mac Jones at all. And it's not just because of the arm strength, but poor, it, it seems like for a long time now, similar to what Russell Wilson has complained about in Seattle, is that Chicago has not had good offensive lines, and something that... that Mac is going to need early on in his career is a good offensive line. Uh, you know, people love to, to to rag on him about his lack of mobility. Well, you know, the last thing you need to find out in the middle of December is a you can't push the ball downfield because it's windy, and b you're not getting protected. That is very true, and I agree with you on McShay's mock. Man, he went quarterback, and I, we've talked about the quarterback fever that we know these teams. You know, for all the public stances that they might take in January and February, that goes out the window typically by the time early to mid-April rolls around and the quarterback fever ramps up. And obviously Trevor Lawrence at the top of the draft, but McShay has Zach Wilson of BYU going number two overall to the Jets. He has Carolina moving up to the three-hole and taking Trey Lance. Played in just one game last fall as the quarterback at North Dakota State. Uh, McShay has the Falcons taking Justin Fields at four. And then that run on wide receivers that Jacob alluded to. He has Jamar Chase, Todd does, as the first wide receiver off the board to Jalen Hurts and the Eagles at number six overall. Then he has the two Alabama products, Devontae Smith at seven to the Lions. Please don't do that to Devontae. Please, please don't do that. To number six. And then what Jalen Waddle would probably prefer uh, quite a bit in that trade with that proposed trade with Carolina, Miami goes down to eight and takes Jalen Waddle there. And then he has another Alabama guy, Patrick Sertan, going number nine overall to the Broncos, as we talked about, Mac Jones, 12 to the Chicago Bears. 
And then you have a pretty good gulf between Jones and the next Alabama selection, which according to Todd McShay would be Najee Harris, who we've seen more than once now in that number 30 overall spot to the Buffalo Bills. And then rounding out the first round, according to Todd McShay, Christian Barmore to the world champion Tampa Bay Bucks. Just what the Bucks need, right, Jacob? Another another potentially dominant member to go along with an already dominant front seven there in Tampa Bay. I know our guy James Ludman, he'd be fine with that, I'm guessing. Well, that would be actually very ideal for them because they're going to have a hard time bringing everybody back. Uh, after they, they re-sign Shaq Barrett and potentially Chris Godwin or Antonio Brown, uh, that's going to leave guys like Ndamukong Sue, uh, you know, looking to head out the door. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like Christian Barmore to the to the Bucks there. There were a few uh, here that I really loved, like like Najee to the Bills again. Uh, and then there was a few that are just, just the head scratchers like Mac Jones. Yeah, Todd uh, outlined those free agency concerns for the Bucks when you talk about that front seven, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Sue, uh, just to name a few there that uh, that, that organization's got to try to figure some things out with. We're going to head to our first break. When we come back, sports editor and columnist Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News joins us on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Conecuh Sausage, a true Southern flavor since 1947, and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Visit online at ConecuhSausage.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama men's basketball picked up a hard-earned road victory, 81-78 at South Carolina on Tuesday night. Head coach Nate Oates addressed the media after the win. Coach Martin already gets his guys to go, and I knew it was going to be a battle. You know, it would have been nice to open it up, and but it's, it's not bad to win a close one either. You know, I think we're three and three in two possession games. Last year we were four and eleven. We put a big point emphasis on learning how to close. I thought we did some dumb things late in the game, but we did enough to to win it. You know, and Rojas steps up, goes four for four at the line late in the game. I'll have more in a moment. Our newest partner on the Crimson Tide Sports Network is already an Alabama favorite. Kaneka Sausage is now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Kaneka's tradition of making the finest hickory smoked sausage hasn't changed in over 70 years. Always great for breakfast and now a tailgate grilling tradition. Kaneka Sausage, made in evergreen Alabama and a true southern flavor since 1947. And now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Alabama was led in the victory by John Petty's 20 points, his fourth 20-point game on the year, and a season-high tying eight rebounds on the night. Guard Javon Quinterly had 13 points, 10 coming in the second half, while guard Joshua Primo had 12 and Jane Shackelford had 10, also reaching double digits. Forward Herbert Jones scored just three points, but also added a team-leading seven assists and two blocks to go along with five boards. And that's your BAM update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Kaneka Sausage. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sporter. A spring-like afternoon, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, the high today around 70. For tonight, mostly cloudy with the low at 54. Tomorrow, wet weather is back. Cloudy with occasional rain, possibly a thunderstorm during the day. The high at 60. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. Did you know that? Public Enemy, one of four rap acts currently in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They dropped this LP 
Yo, a bomb rushed the show back in 1987. Pretty good timing considering the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame today announced its 2021 nominees. Pretty stout group. I guess my big question when looking at this list, and we'll bring Cecil Hurd on to get his opinion, get his thoughts. Tina Turner isn't already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Wow. Cecil, have you seen this list of nominees today? We are still efforting. Cecil Hurt. How about that? That was a heck of an intro. I feel bad I wasted it there. But yeah, your Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees for 2021. Mary J. Blige, Kate Bush, Devo. For me, Devo's got to be in. You talk about something totally different. Not necessarily prolific when it comes to hits. Did a pretty cool rendition of I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Whip It, of course, back in the day was huge. How about Dave Grohl? I guess he's just going to, everything he touches is going to go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Foo Fighters are going in. We know that. Talk about the last two decades plus. There hasn't been a rock and roll act as prolific and one that has sustained at the level like the Foo Fighters have. They're a slam dunk, I would think. The Go-Go's, that's nostalgia right there for old TR. We got the beat. Our lips are sealed. Yeah, I got the Go-Go's going in in my personal Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think Iron Maiden's got to go in. Talk about the genre of heavy metal. Again, that's probably the nostalgia talking because that aforementioned older brother of mine, I sort of had that brainwashed into the old frontal lobes back around 83, 84, 85 as an impressionable high schooler back in the mid-80s. Iron Maiden all the time, man. That's I all I had pumped today in my head. that uh one of the lead singers, probably the, the best, in my opinion, the best. But uh, Bruce Dickinson said that he would uh, turn down any sort of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame bid yeah. for Iron Maiden. Might be a little salty at this point, you know? Saw Iron Maiden multiple times, Jacob, back in the mid-80s with Bruce on lead vocals. I'm jealous. And, of course, they had Eddie, the mascot. You know who Eddie is, right? Absolutely. The, uh, the daunting figure there on all the covers. And they had it set up where Eddie would come out, you know, like on stilts, you know. Still have Eddie in my nightmares from those shows. But those were some great shows. Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, you know, when you talk about the mid-80s. Saw more than a couple of those shows. Jay-Z's going in. I think we can go ahead and consider uh, Jay-Z a slam dunk. For me, again, LL Cool J, if we're talking about rap acts, and I'm glad Public Enemy's in. P.E. should be in. But LL Cool J? If you're taking rap acts, he's not in. Uh, Rage Against the Machine, that'll be an interesting one. Not necessarily pop music by any means, but certainly impactful. That's some uh, pregame music there, Rage. You want to get yourself going. A little Rage Against the Machine. Again, Tina Turner's got to go in. This is a hell of a list, by the way. All very deserving, in my opinion. It's Southern Fried Sports on a Wednesday, 205 342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us, consider this. Consider this your personal invitation. Been talking about Alabama men's basketball in the wake of the Crimson Tide's three-point win over the South Carolina Gamecocks. Last night in Columbia, South Carolina, John Petty with 20 points and eight rebounds. The goal, though, for Petty there late. Seemed like it got moved around a little bit. Don't see a lot of air balls from John Petty. Had a couple of those down the stretch, including a straight-on look wide open in which JP missed everything. But Petty, again, contributing in ways other than scoring. He did have 20 in the game, but also eight big rebounds. Alabama got 34 points from its bench. Javon Quinterly contributing 13 of those points to go along with those big minutes that we talked about from James Rojas and Keon Ellis. With Nate Oates, and really most basketball coaches in general, more important 
to pay attention to who's on the floor late than who starts games. And more and more, especially in the case of Keon Ellis, that's a guy you see on the basketball floor. And he's going to lock people up defensively. And he's also shown to have a nose for the basketball. He missed one or two at the free throw line last night late. Kind of left that door a little bit ajar there late in the game. But his Juco pal, James Rojas, stepped forward with four big free throws down the stretch. And so here you are, 11-1. and And when you start thinking about the SEC tournament and buys and things like that, Alabama at 11-1 and looking like a cinch right now to have the early round action off in this year's SEC tournament. We're going to step aside for another break and we come back. More of a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. And as promised, we're going to talk with Cecil Hurt, sports editor and columnist for the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. Cecil, as we bring you on here, a, uh, a tight one in Columbia, South Carolina on Tuesday night for the Alabama men's basketball team. Probably not a huge surprise given some of the uncertainty involving a couple of key pieces and still having a guy like uh, Jordan Bruner out of the lineup entirely. So uh, what were your thoughts last night to come out of that win over the Gamecocks? Yeah, Bruner's out. Herb was clearly not 100%. And Juwan Gary uh, got to play two minutes, and then he must have he must have slipped on a bar of soap or something. <laughs> I don't know if the hip toss that was the old uh, the old Dennis Condry hip toss that uh, yeah he got that pretty much signaled well until until the uh, until it hit eight o'clock Eastern time when it hit eight o'clock Eastern time that's when Teddy Valentine became TV Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was let him play think, until until eight Eastern. Apple Watch I think he I think he has an alarm. Teddy does time. Cecil. Yeah, when it hit eight Eastern, it seemed like Teddy came to life. You know, suddenly the whistle started blowing Cecil. But you're right. Early on, at least, uh, it was the old AWA days with Nick Bockwinkle. It looked like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor Juwan, and don't know yet. At, at heard what his status will be that they're evaluating it. you know and and so you'd like to you'd probably like to arrest herb although george is a little bit of a tougher proposition than people realize you know george has won five out of their last seven games in the league and they play tennessee tonight it'll be interesting to see how they do but it's not just a walk in you know you sit your guy like like um a couple of years ago when they um uh, sat to a before the Auburn game when they're playing the non-conference game. You can't do that. If it was a non-conference game, you'd do it, probably. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. But he was clearly Herb, Herb clearly wasn't 100%, but if you don't have Gary, how many bodies do you have? You know, I thought Reese played hard. I thought Rojas played hard. Um, part of the reason they were able to part of the reason they were able to win. But um, they're, they're they're spread thin. They're not much butter spread on a lot of bread at this point. Been some talk about this team's ability to close out close games, really going back to, I guess, and 
um, didn't really do it on the offensive end, but I guess that, again, speaks to some of the defensive efficiency, at least, that this team continues to display. Yeah, defended well, rebounded the ball. Um, I want to give credit because I, I got on James Ross about getting the hat trick when he got fouled on the three-point shot at uh, Missouri and missed all three free throws. But he was four for four last night, hit those two at the end, and those make a difference. You know, Missouri, Frank Martin was really angry that Missouri took that two-pointer right at the end, you know, with five seconds left. But um, Alabama executed that perfectly, you know, went to the, put everybody on the three-point line, dared Missouri to take the layup, and the, the our, excuse me, South Carolina, dared South Carolina to take the layup, which they did, and Alabama knew what the situation was. Petty got up there, you know, yanked that ball out of the net and got it into Rojas, who stepped up and, and hit the two free throws, which, which do make a difference. You know, it's a different deal. If they've got to have a three, Alabama intercepts the pass anyway, but you know, they're not running something where they're trying to get fouled and get two free throws. You know, so that strategy at the end of the game was was good. They just uh, South Carolina will defend you too, and they got they got aggressive. But Alabama made their free throws. You know, how many how many years have, have you taken calls or I've taken gotten feedback about? Ah, they just made their free throws. Well, they're making their free throws. They made them last made them last night. Uh, so. No, it was not an aesthetic um, marvel last night, but it's February, and you're on the road in the SEC, and there have been many, many times over the years, the last 20 years, um, that you'd take that win and be happy to get out of town. Yeah, you weren't going to let A.J. Lawson beat you down the stretch, were you? If you could help it. And even Keyshawn Bryant, too. Yeah, I think Lawson had five of their three-pointers, and I think the rest of the team combined was like one for 14. Yeah. Um, Manaya hit one, and that was the only other one that they hit. So, um, yeah, you, you were going to let those other guys take a three. It's, it's, that's what it came down to, and they missed a couple. And Lawson missed one. But, um, and then Petty missed a couple at the other end. And, and um, But, you know, Alabama had had just enough and get the extra day off now, you know, the Tuesday to Saturday, that which they absolutely need um, to rest up. And, and uh, like I say, Georgia, uh, three really interesting games tonight. So interested to see how Georgia plays. Yeah, obviously a lot of interest in Oxford, Mississippi tonight from the Alabama sure, perspective absolutely. with Missouri making take that trip. The, take all that old Miss help you can get. You know, Cecil, I wanted to ask you if maybe you have a theory on this, but you know, during the football season with COVID-19 and, and all the disruptions and uh, uncertainty, it didn't seem to impact the pecking order in college football. Still Alabama, still Clemson, still Ohio State, you know, even within the Southeastern Conference, it sort of played out the way we expected. And, you know, understanding Ohio State had an abbreviated season in comparison to the other teams like Alabama, Clemson, uh, Notre Dame. But it just seems like in basketball, it's been turned upside down. Now, do you attribute this well, to to the pandemic? Or do you think in some situations like Kentucky, maybe the mix finally didn't exactly work out from a one-and-done and transfer perspective. Why the big discrepancy, do you think, Cecil, between what we saw in college football with the elites and what we're seeing with the North Carolinas and the Dukes and the Kentuckys in the college basketball season? Um, I think it's, there, there are several factors. I don't know if I've synthesized them all into a theory. Um, I, I think some teams did get affected by the – COVID-19, um, probably LSU, you could put in that in that boat. Um, but also, when you're talking about the very top in football, it's, it's years and years of accumulated recruiting to where there's no real parity in the roster. The, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, Alabama closes out the regular season at Arkansas. 
did you think there was one chance in a thousand that Alabama was going to go up to Fayetteville and lose to Arkansas that Saturday? Yeah, no. Just, yeah. The, no, because the talent is so mismatched. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was this particular 2020 Alabama team is, is probably the extreme example of, of having, particularly on offense, um, just so much more talent than the other team. The other team just couldn't stop them, and that included Notre Dame and Ohio State and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Some teams slowed them down, and, and a couple of teams had their own offensive talent, Florida and Ole Miss. But, um, you know, in terms of, of Going to Columbia, Missouri, or going to Fayetteville—you um, didn't. It, it didn't cross your mind that Alabama was going to lose that game. But in basketball, again, different things for different people. Um, the, the two teams that are at the top of the SEC, Alabama and Missouri, have seniors, have guys that have been through it. You know, they've got four-year guys, whereas. The game had evolved where Duke, you know, Zion, I guess, would be a junior, you know, in a different world. Mm-hmm. And Duke, and Duke could be a lot different team. But um, that's not the way it is. And so Kentucky, that, that perennially in that cycle, when all of a sudden the guys you load up on, and they load up on highly rated players and have some talented players, but you have to have some chemistry and, and, you know, if there's not an Anthony Davis in the mix or, or an Emmanuel Quickly or a Tyler Enos or, or those guys, um, it's tough for Kentucky. They, they don't have that alpha guy. Um, I think Starr has probably been a little bit of a disappointment for him transferring in from Wake Forest. Um, you know, whereas if, if you had those guys, if those guys were to stick around, you know, Isaiah Jackson going to be a heck of a college player as a junior, but he'll never see his junior year. You know, he'll go pro this year. So that's part of it. Um, and and part of it is because of that, you don't have to recruit um, 12 of the top 50 players, which Alabama football, Ohio State football, uh, Georgia football, Clemson football, and do and will do and we'll then have those guys for three years at least so i think that's a big part of the difference again i think certain things uh, i think lsu football last year i think um possibly some of the basketball teams uh, have been affected by covid um see how it affects Baylor. see how it affects michigan who are both on or have both recently been on hiatus um but it's it's just I, I still think it's having third and fourth year guys available mm-hmm. um, versus in, in football versus what those blue bloods had have turned into in basketball mm-hmm. and, and having those one and done guys. Um, I, I still think that 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 that's part of it when that cycle catches up. to uh, Maturity. Want to have Sharif, doesn't mean you wouldn't want to have Sharif Cooper, Kate Cunningham. You want to have those guys. But again, even those guys aren't at Kentucky, Duke, Michigan State. Kentucky would be a different team with Sharif Cooper. I'll guarantee you that. Yeah, Alabama, you're mixing in Josh Primo with Herb yeah, Jones want, and John you Petty. You know? You're you're buoyed. He's buoyed by veterans and and capable right. veterans, right. and and not and just not just guys they brought back, but junior college transfers. Jordan Bruner's an older guy. Just maturity in general. Yeah, yeah. and I think that that does make a difference. And I think, for instance, the Big Ten is loaded with guys like that. I mean, I, you know, Luca Garza is a fourth year guy because he's not a prototypical pro. But he's a heck of a player at Iowa. Um, you know, so so there's nobody as good as those Big Ten teams are, as good as Michigan is, as good as Illinois is, as good as, as Ohio State is. Um, 
there's not a guy on those teams that you can say, well, man, he's just, you know, he's just Magic Johnson. He's just, you know, headed to be the number one pick and, and so forth. So it's a, it's a different, it's a different world. Different um, mindsets but, too. You know, even with guys who are considered to be the greatest to do it in this era, when you look at, say, Nick Saban in football and Coach K in basketball, just the mindsets of those two seem to be completely opposite in terms of embracing the suck, so to speak, and trying to manage and deal with it. K just never has seemed on board with any of this, whereas Saban, in typical Saban fashion, adapted and uh went all in i I think it's a great string of nick saban um personality that he does not think in alternate reality you know he does he, he spends zero time thinking about well what if there wasn't a COVID? you know and what if there is and so he's going to deal with what he is um, and not waste any time. Um, or he, he, he values his time highly, believe me. Um, he's not going to waste any time thinking about stuff that, that isn't happening. You know, mm-hmm. the pandemic isn't going to go away. Speaking in football terms, it wasn't going to go away one week. You know, it was just, just disappear. You had to deal with it. So he got the resources, you know, and he's given the resources, to be fair, and um, explained to the team what they were going to do, and that's what they did. Now, you know, he has the, the luxury of, of unlimited capital in that what he says, those guys believe, because it's always worked, and they've been a part of it working. And, and, you know, when you're, when you're, again, when you're talking about every guy that has come through Tuscaloosa since 2009, winning a national championship. Uh, you listen to the coach. <laughs> you, you do what he tells you to do, and that's that's for for players now, for recruits now. That's their conscious football lifetime. That's since they were six years old. If you're a recruit, you, you, you don't have any memory, really. I mean. Yeah, you might have a toddler's memory, but you don't really have any memory of a time when Alabama wasn't winning national championships. And when Nick Saban says, you can come here and do that, he's not building a dream. He's talking about reality and what is. And, again, I think that's a, a part of his personality that occasionally gets overlooked. But he doesn't... He doesn't deal in what might be or what could be. Um, he looks at what is and makes a plan and executes. Cecil, we appreciate the time as always, my man. Okay, enjoyed it. Look forward to the game tonight. You, uh, you should get out and try and get nine in this afternoon. <laughs> I, know. I know it's a big tease. I don't know how this weather, Cecil. No, it's a big tease. Hey, you're right, though. I need to do that. Appreciate it. Thanks, Cecil. No problem. There you go. Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. Going to step aside for a final break. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right after this. A spring-like afternoon, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. The high today around 70. For tonight, mostly cloudy with the low at 54. Tomorrow, wet weather is back. Cloudy with occasional rain, possibly a thunderstorm during the day. The high at 60. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back to put a wrap on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com. I like the way Cecil Hurt thinks, man. With this tease of a weather stretch. Got out yesterday and walked. 
wore the wore the hoodie, wore the sweatshirt for the walk and the bike ride. Didn't need it though. Absolutely perfect the last couple of days around here. We know though. We know old man winter isn't done with us yet. So I like the idea. Get out and get just nine holes in. I've kind of become more of a nine hole guy in recent years. I get a little disinterested in the game beyond the ninth hole, to be honest with you. Starts to feel too much like work. I guess that speaks to the state of my golf game these days. Supposed to have fun out there. I get to 12 or 13 and I'm like, wow, I'm punching the clock out here. Where's the clubhouse? You know, the beer cart isn't quite enough. I need the entire clubhouse at this point. I'm yearning for a chicken salad sandwich and a cold drink by about 14 these days. Still, though, perfect, perfect conditions looking out there right now. To enjoy the weather on this mid-February afternoon we have upon us. That's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks again to Cecil Hurt for joining us. Thanks to Jacob Harrison, as always, for producing the show, doing an outstanding job with that. The lunch whistle on this Wednesday. It is a great day also to get by Southern Ale House at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Now, yesterday they had their burger and brew selections for you. Those craft burgers, those craft brews, always great stuff on Tuesdays. But you can get as good a hamburger as you will find anywhere each and every day of the week at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Burgers, plate dinners, salads, great appetizers, all of it made by scratch right there within the premises at Southern Ale House. Until 11 a.m. on Thursday, have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. Face.